And welcome to the Untold Hour. It's just Jess and Aristotle, you guys. Bowser's still taking a little bit of time off to recoup from, I'm not sure. Uh, I think he did a combination of uh, personal vacation and a, an intense amount of work to get um, not only his regular nine to five stuff wrapped up, but also for his uh, Onyx the Fortuitous movie, which I believe I did see, uh, crossed the Kickstarter finish line. So congratulations, sure Bowser. If you're listening to this, Aristotle and I are very proud of you. Yes. Well-deserved um, vacation. Super well-deserved. <laughs> you definitely hit the ground running on that. And I cannot wait to see the movie. Um, but with that, we're kind of shifting into our traditional um, format. I don't know what happened with me over the last couple of days that I had off, but I kind of got refreshed and uh, figured, you know, we've been changing it up a bit just to try and test a bunch of stuff out. Um, and uh, so, I don't know, we'll just go back to the usual stuff and you guys can tell me at the end uh, what your thoughts are as far as, um, you know, what you prefer. Um, also wanted to say thank you guys very much for being super patient for the last couple of weeks, uh, both on Sundays and during the week, during our normal hours of operation. I know we pulled back on that because of personal things that have happened both in our lives and in the office. Just wanted to say thank you guys for the patience and we are, uh, we are moving forward. So with that being said, let's introduce this, uh, this week's Weird of the Week. Weird of the Week. Woohoo! This actually comes from Coast to Coast. Also, Aristotle, feel free to jump in anytime you want. Well, Weird of the Week. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, Weird, Weird of the week. week. It's back. Weird of the Week. It's back. Sort of. We're going to try it out again. Coast to Coast. This one comes from Coast to Coast, one of my favorite radio shows slash websites. Massachusetts Witch is a target for harassment, even in today's modern times, where even Sephora is selling witchcraft items. Um, somebody still manages to get targeted for harassment about this. So a self-described witch by the name of Lucky Cabral, or Cabral, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, uh, who is the proprietor of the apothecary shop Sanctum Folk Folkorica in Massachusetts, uh, claims that she is the target of an ongoing campaign of harassment, which culminated with a suspected arson attempt over the weekend. So the business which has been operated within the area of the last three years, so it's not new. People, you know, it's relatively established. It's currently being targeted by a singular resident who believes that Lucky is practicing the dark arts. This began back in March when a woman stood outside of her shop and splashed the building and a nearby cart that was in front of the shop with holy water. Lucky kind of chucked it off as a one-time incident, you know. I mean, she's in the city, weird stuff happens, like it's it's a daily occurrence no matter where you live at this point uh and, but later that month the same woman made an actual bonfire like a small bonfire of sage within the shop's doorway wow which let me just point out real quick here that if she thinks she's practicing the dark arts and it sounds like and we'll get into this a little later on in the um article conversation 
that this woman is leaning more towards like, uh, like a Christian That's what viewpoint I against the dark arts. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a good witch versus bad witch, but it sounds like she's a Christian or going against this dark arts. Anti-witch everything. Anti-witch thing. The b- burning sage <laughs> to yeah. cleanse the space is a little weird uh, for a multitude of reasons. One, it's 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 the part of the craft. Uh, two, I don't know what this woman's background is, so let me preface that with what my statement just was. But you know, I mean, there's definitely. Um, Burning Sage is pretty controversial in the witchcraft circles right now because it is considered a, a, a native practice um, that, you know, a lot of people are, uh, what's the word? Not commandeering. What's the word I'm looking for? Appropriating. Appropriating oh, yeah. uh, in, in their own practice. And, and it's now, you know, people are learning that maybe they shouldn't do that. So it seems a little odd that that's what this woman chose to do. And to do a bonfire of it. So, you know, that that's just the intro to how it gets weirder. <laughs> Keep that in mind with Trying the statements. Which which practices to also kind of kind of leaning into arson arsonry. Oh, arson? I don't even yeah, think it's like, leaning into arson. I think yeah, it's that's... it's dropped down like like, well, okay, yes, no. Let me retract that. It's leaning into arson in order to lead to the next step that we're gonna get in a minute, mm. which is straight arson, just straight up arson. <laughs> yeah. So keep what I'm saying at the forefront of your brain because it's get it gets weirder. So Lucky is surmising that this woman is trying to cleanse the space. You know, that's like what we just discussed. Word around the local downtown area is that this woman is going from uh, shop to shop and buying up any and all sage that she's coming across oh and when she's asked point blank, why are you buying this much sage? Her response is that she is trying to get rid of a bad witch. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So things finally come to the breaking point when the woman stole the cart from in front of the apothecary and then moved it to a different location further on down the street, all the while dousing it with holy water. Again. This already happened once. She's doing it again now. And then on Easter, on Easter of all days, and this is why I kind of leaned into maybe she is a Christian that is anti-bad witch, but I guess at the same time, I don't know, maybe she is, like she does view herself as a good witch because Easter is still, you know, the time to celebrate spring Uh, uh. and all that jazz and I don't know. I don't know. I just, I get, I'm just getting vibes from this article. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm making my own assumptions, but on Easter, she, uh, lucky the owner of the shop said she found the cart and that it had now been set on fire. And she actually considers herself to be super fortunate that it didn't result in a more catastrophic situation, not only for the safety of her herself and her own business, but that there is an elderly person that lives in the loft above the shop that is on oxygen, which, mm. by the way, oxygen on its own is highly flammable. So you, why even dabble in screwing that up? 
in yeah. in a in a in a way that could be disastrous for people that aren't even a part of this situation. But it just goes to show you, don't do stupid shit, people, because you never <laughs> know. You never know what the real deal is going on behind the scenes. Like this woman probably didn't know there was an elderly person upstairs that needed help uh, breathing with an oxygen supply. And here she is lighting fires down below. Like what? I mean, that's, that's always, always, always a risk lighting anything on fire. Just don't light shit on fire (laughs) unless it's in your own house and then you're taking precautions there too. Yeah. Precautions for sure. And even Mm -hmm. then I'm like, I, what yeah what are you doing with the barbecue sure uh, fire pit sure anything around that don't yeah a fire pit full of sage that you're lighting in front of a a building's doorway which also fyi would be an escape route if there was a fire you have now just cut that off because you're Mm -hmm. busy saging the place whatever oh people (laughs) i'm just I'm, i'm at my wits end really um, with that, Lucky finally went to, well, I shouldn't say it finally. Lucky went to the authorities and the authorities finally paid attention to what her complaints were because she had gone to them the previous times to make formal complaints and they kind of blew her off and ignored her. Mm-hmm. But now that she's saying, listen, they, she set shit on fire. She stole stuff. And I also have somebody that could have exploded upstairs had this woman not, you know, been, I don't know, fortunate enough to not have it spread. Uh, so this time they finally reacted. They found and arrested and charged the woman with vandalism for the sage burning bonfire back in March, as well as the other incidents. So when Lucky was asked why she thought her and her store were the subject of such specific odd harassment, because, you know, it's not like she hasn't been there for three years. Like, why is this all of a sudden cropping up now? She said she believed it was because of a rumor going around. And this is where there's a little twist. This is where there's a little twist. She believes that it's because of a rumor going around that she is in possession of an heirloom that once belonged to the woman's family. And if that turns out to be the case, which I don't know why she wouldn't know, uh, she would happily return it to her. Whoa. Yeah, why why wouldn't she just go ask? (laughs) What? Well, okay, so a couple things. Why wouldn't this woman just nicely go ask? Why would this rumor start in the first place? What does okay, Lucky? What do you have that you're not maybe completely sharing with folks in this art? Like, what is going on here? Maybe this woman is a good witch that is like, yo, girl, I've got your number, and I know you're trying to pull some shit with my family. Oh, okay. I I don't know that. I was thinking more like, is this like a battle of witches right now that we're just unaware of? well, because yeah, the the sage burning sage was the weird. Like, why wouldn't you know? If right? she was super Christian, it would it would usually turn into like standing outside with a sign or something. Yeah, uh, which is why I thought at the first like, okay, super Christian. She's splashing the place with holy water. She's picking Easter. What's going on? But mm-hmm. then she's building all of this sage, trying to cleanse it. And granted, you know that's more of a you know despite the appropriation aspect of it, that is what most people associate sage for is cleansing and the craft, whether they're, you know, on, on a, on a real like basic level of knowledge, but it's still thought of as witchcraft. Yeah. So if she's super Christian, 
Well, I why think would she do that? There is a point now to having it being a witch battle, and maybe, maybe this is this is this me going real deep a, on this story. A but witch battle. Maybe she does have the family heirloom, but it's cursed or evil or something, and she knows that, but no one else does. So she needs to cleanse Wait, it without going. Wait, who she are in. we talking about? Oh, you uh, mean the, the woman with all the, the woman. sage. Maybe I she's think, just like, I don't want it back, but I don't want it to, you know, I don't want this to come back to me. So I'm going to try and cleanse it. Oh, know. I mean, maybe. I mean, it could be anything, honestly. What? Who Who are we to know? But I think you're being <laughs> slightly generous to that woman. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she did any of this right. But, yeah, uh, I don't know if you would light bonfires in the in doorways to. Like uh, she's trying to cover something break up. curses. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, it certainly is a good theory. I, I think, yeah, I don't know. This one, I was like totally on board. Like, whoa, this woman is like way overboard, super uh, belligerent Christian trying to like <laughs> drive the witch out of town. And then at that last paragraph when they're like, oh, Lucky might have a family heirloom and is hanging on to it. I was like, oh, that is what are we what have we opened up here? Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting story. And it also kind of ties into our theme with uh, witches and witchcraft this month. Uh, moving on, however. Uh, HuffPo, this one comes from Huff... Huff oh my God, Chobot. Just fucking move your lips to say the words, right? Like, why is this... This is my job. I, I do this for a living. <laughs> How is it that I am able to actually speak properly when the camera's on but when it's just me by myself it all falls apart i mean huffpo sounds like i mean huffpo is a made-up word and it sounds something like a baby says on accident yeah i also want to shout out that first sentence of the story was just a a, a string of huge words that, oh you're uh, talking the massachusetts story the witch yeah the, the witch by the name of Lucky Cabral, who's the proprietor of an apothecary shop named Sanctum Folkorica in Massachusetts? Exactly. You mean that like, one? <laughs> someone just took all of the biggest words in the dictionary and yeah. put them together. <laughs> they yeah, they just took the alphabet and threw it at a wall and saw what stuck. Um, yeah, no, I definitely felt that. All right. Well, anyway. Enough of me not being able to form words. HuffPo, uh, the U.S. Strategic Command explains the reason behind their cryptic tweet. Now, I didn't even realize this was a thing until I started searching for weird news to talk about today, um, which is odd because I am uh, obsessive, obsessively panic, panically, panicfully, panically checking twitter on the reg for uh dire news and i would have thought this would have crossed my my twitter feed but apparently it did not so anyway for those that also didn't see this uh this past week the u.s strategic command twitter account sent out the cryptic tweet of i don't know how to pronounce this in real life so i'm just gonna say blah 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 it was just basically <laughs> like a bunch of random letters and and symbols uh that they huh. tweeted out. Obviously, folks freaked the fuck out. Like, completely lost <laughs> their minds. Like, what? what is... What are you trying to tell us? Is the world ending within, like, an hour? What's happening? Like, is this a code? This is a code. What this is, is going on? Winter Soldier code that awakens whatever <laughs> yes. people are on Twitter. Aliens have landed and they've taken over Twitter. 
So obviously folks are freaking out. However, according to journalist, I think, I think his name is <laughs> Michael. I might've uh, written this incorrectly. Michael Thalen, uh, who filed a freedom of information request with the government agency. They granted it and told him that the reason behind the tweet isn't cryptic at all. Apparently the social media manager for strategic command has a small child who managed to gain access to his keyboard and welcome to the pandemic working from home 101 situation that we've all been accustomed to. So his kid went to town on the keyboard and sent out a tweet uh, on that account. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what happened. I love it. That is so believable mm -hmm. that it sounds made up that the yeah, yeah like that's oh, this is the 2021 so version funny, of that interview where the guy's kid <laughs> wanders in during like a bbc news interview or something and he's like the head of some i i don't remember what his title was but he was like high up there somewhere mm. and the kid's just like blah 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 dad <laughs> like kids don't give a fuck it's, that is that's been some of the best footage to come out of this oh my i gosh. guess really I just mean, seeing how... like what's in people's bookshelves yeah oh i like that yeah i always man i always make sure to like curate whatever's going on in my background as much as possible uh i mean honest to god like how many times realistically would you say my child has interrupted us while we're trying to shoot a podcast from the start of the pandemic i would say every other episode right yeah. And we do this every week. Yeah. That is a lot of times. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. And it's often multiple times during one episode until I finally got a door on my room that has a workable lock. And now I just lock everybody out. <laughs> and this is my safe space. <laughs> Anyhow. So needless to say, even with and because of that explanation, the memes are off the charts. And uh, that being said, luckily, nothing nefarious actually occurred so we're all safe everything's fine the memes are pretty funny go check them out while they're still uh what's the word uh relevant they're still popping <laughs> they're still popping you got probably the till the end of the week and uh and then and then it doesn't matter anymore because that's how twitter works it'll just be another kafifi in the history books it's another kafifi <laughs> i don't know kafifi i feel has legs to last a long time because kofifi is a part of history right that's yeah history in the making kofifi that is sad to fucking think about that that is actual history that children might learn about in history books it'll at least be a note like in one of the boxes on the side of the main text yeah right which was the most interesting part of the entire educational experience was those little side notes yep i, I oh sorry go ahead I, I still remember one of the the weirdest facts in a history book i saw come out was during world war ii and how george lucas used um Nazi snow uniforms as inspiration for the hot uniforms oh, in Empire. Really? And I was like, what the fuck? I did not like, know that. Well, he used like, a lot of Nazi stuff as inspo, right? Nazi yeah. and samurai and a bunch of things from all over the place. I just never expect, like, I would, like, I still remember, like, I'm in school and mm -hmm. my book says Star Wars. <laughs> I, yeah. I just like this whole, this whole past four years, I have just been 
fantasizing about the conversation that I will have with my grandchild at some point mm. where they're like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> let me sit you down and tell you a little something, something. Uh, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> Actually, I would never curse my child with that. All right. So in the spirit of Easter candy, a gift of chocolate from Queen Victoria is still intact after 121 years. So a 121-year-old chocolate bar, originally from a batch commissioned by Queen Victoria for British troops fighting in South Africa, has been found intact within its original tin in the attic of an English manor house. The chocolate belonged to Sir Henry Edward Paston Bedingfield. What a fucking awesome name. <laughs> who fought during the Second Boer War, which the war uh, stretched from 1899 to 1902, and was stored within his helmet case locked away within the attic of his 500-year-old ancestral home, Oxburg Hall in Norfolk, England. Now, the tin lid had a message in Victoria's handwriting that says, I wish you a happy new year and the inscription South Africa 1900, as well as a portrait of the queen. Now, Queen Victoria commissioned the chocolate as a way, as a way to boost soldiers' morale during the conflict. However, Britain's three main chocolate manufacturers at the time, which were Cadbury, which we're all familiar with. Hello, Easter eggs. <laughs> Fry and Roan Tree, which I've never heard of before, or Fry, honestly, were run by Quakers who opposed the war, so they actually refused to accept payment for the order and packaged the chocolate in unbranded tins as a way of like protesting the fact that she was requiring this of them. Mm-hmm. She was putting up with none of that shit. <laughs> As far as it being an anonymous gift, because she did not want this to come off as anonymous. She wanted to uh, take all the uh, reward for sending chocolate out to her troops. Um, So she pitched a little bit of a royal fit slash demand. And the manufacturers relented a little bit and branded some of the chocolate, but still held firm to leaving the tins unbranded despite the potential uh, irritation from their queen. Um, I highly recommend, like, I didn't want to get too, since we're weird of the week, I did it for this. I didn't want to get really deep into the Boer War, but, uh, definitely recommend going and checking it out if you're interested to learn the history behind it, uh, and how it ties to England and why a lot of people had a big problem with it back in the day. Now, while some of the tins do still survive to this day, it is very rare to actually be able to trace the tins back to their original owners and extremely rare to find tins that still have chunks of chocolate inside. So I just thought it was a cool little bit of history news that I would add to the mix. He said the so the, the tins aren't branded, but the chocolate is branded. So from how the article, I mean, how the article... The article didn't really go into too much detail describing it. It sounds like the tins are not branded with company logos, but that they are branded with her signature and that little picture that she leaves inside. And that the chocolate, some of the chocolate, I'm guessing wrapper is branded. And so that might be what people have found, but that, uh, uh, but then only some of them. So not, all of them, I guess. At least that's what the article said. And it also didn't say, like, when you say chocolate is branded, I think of, like, if you look at Cadbury squares, they have Cadbury branded across the top of the little chocolate squares, like, actually branded onto the chocolate. 
I think Hershey's because like it's the bar says Hershey's, right? Yeah, right. The bar says Hershey's, but so do the wrappers. So I don't know if they're talking about the wrappers specifically or the chocolate. I would lean towards the wrappers since they said it's really rare to find chunks of chocolate. So how would they know unless maybe they have paperwork from some of these old distributors and productions like Cadbury that say, hey, we did this, but not this. I don't know. It didn't get in. It, it wasn't that deep of a dive in the in the chocolate world. But if you're interested in candy and this is something and history, uh, check it out. <laughs> you might discover something new. Talking about Cadbury a bunch really makes me want some chocolate right now. Um, so yeah, so that was our weird of the week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Nice, uh, pretty interesting three stories. It also pulls together our main topic for today, which is uh, witchcraft, witches, and for this specific entry into the witchcraft and witches, England. So the main story is the most famous witch that you may never have heard of. Now, I consider myself pretty well-versed in witches and witchcraft. Obviously, I'm most familiar with things like the Salem Witch Trials because I live here in the United States and that's what I've studied the most of. Um, but I have dabbled in like Mother Leeds, things like Nostradamus, although he's not technically a witch, but you know, you can get into the debate of that. Just esoteric stuff in general and the people that were behind it and not all of them necessarily come from the U.S. However, I have never heard of Sybil Leak until like a few days ago. And apparently she was dubbed by the BBC, which is also a channel I watch a lot of, so I'm surprised I haven't run into her in some way. She was dubbed by the BBC as the most famous witch in England. And I had no idea. So, but she also really practiced her craft here in the United States as well. In fact, retiring here in the States and passing away here and her family, uh, I don't know if they've passed away yet or not because the article I read was back in the 80s, but I'm assuming they're still alive and living here in the U.S. And, uh, and she, you can still buy her books on Amazon, like, or anywhere that wonderful books are sold. Like she, you can still find her stuff. So she was also very, a very prolific writer and uh, and we will get into all of that uh, right now. So in a combination of witchcraft stories and England via our Weird of the Week theme today, like I said before, I'm going to tell you about Sybil Leake. So Sybil Leake was born in 1917 in a village outside of Stoke-on-Trent, Stratfordshire, England, to a very comfortable middle-class family. Sybil became famous worldwide, but much more so in England by claiming to be a witch, she self-proclaimed herself, uh, who can trace her lineage possibly back to Molly Lee, uh, L-E-I-G-H, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, could be Lie, uh, or Lay, I suppose, uh, a woman who was accused of practicing witchcraft, uh, who was arrested but then died before being tried and had her grave disturbed under the belief that she was still haunting and cursing the town in her afterlife. Sybil even took to keeping and training a jackdaw named Mr. Hotfoot Jackson in the same manner that Molly was believed to have done. 
She was big into capes, really loose kind of like uh, bohemian looking dresses. You know, she played the part. She played it. She played it really well. She did. She did her thing. Um, she Just claimed off of Google. Yeah, yeah, like everything she's wearing kind of is to to take it into Bowser territory. Looks out of either Midsummer or like Rosemary's Baby kind of. Is, is the vibes I'm getting. Okay, so I'm glad you're bringing this up because I didn't know how to gracefully work this into the conversation of this article. And that is, I don't know what to believe about this woman. <laughs> ah. <laughs> when I was doing, like, the... I am intrigued by her and I will definitely be doing my own personal deep dive into her a little bit more after we wrap up this podcast. I, however, this like first glance kind of overview while I was researching it for today, part of me thinks, yeah, legit, like she's talking the talk, walking the walk. This is her lifestyle. She, whether you believe in this stuff or not, she believes in it for herself and this is her jam, right? Mm -hmm. Dig it. Some of her claims though are a lot <laughs> and, and you know how can you how can you how can you measure that kind of stuff like there's no real way it just seems like a lot of it is hollywoodized like i'm sure some of it's true mm. you don't get involved in this stuff unless you have a passion for it and you really believe in this kind of thing but I think some of it, like, a, and you'll, it, you tell me what you think when we get to that part, which is actually kind of coming up right now. Uh, a lot of it seems to be very Hollywood, grandiose, uh, slightly over the top. Or it could be, honestly, maybe she was just at the right place at the right time. And she was one of those people that was just like the keystone to everything that was going on in in kind of these esoteric circles at the time you know yeah it's it's hard yeah. to say it's hard to say i mean yeah well, now i'm dying to know well yeah so let me move on so here we go so uh her claim her claims is that she was very proficient in witchcraft astrology the occult and esoteric arts so that's kind of a blanket statement uh as well as having psychic abilities Needless to say, her claims on her powers, the attention and success that it garnered her over time, as well as her own stance on her practice and what she believed in and what she did not believe in and why put her in odds against not only everyday folks, but also with other witches. So she got, in, she got into straight, uh, you know, side-eye, real housewives of witch county arguments with these other witches. Uh, many point out that her detractors specifically held issues to her Celtic magic uh, because her Celtic magic, they felt, was not from their Gardenarian Wiccan practice, although she would use aspects of that if it suited her. And we're going to take a little side note into Gardenarian, Gardenarian Wiccan practice here in a second so I can tell you guys what's up with that. She was also very much against requiring nudity within rituals, which many practices felt was necessary, as well as she was very anti-use of drugs. Uh, and this was around, mm, like she was involved early on, but I would say the use of drugs things probably crept up the most in like the 60s, which is when Wiccan practices really started to kind of take off as well here, at least in the States. 
So, you know, she was, she was not for it. And so people had a problem with that. And on top of it, she believed in curses, both practicing that and educating oneself on it, which I can't, yeah, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on that. <laughs> I got my own thoughts. Um, but anyway, she believed in that, which many new age Wiccans had a hard time coming to terms with. I can under, she said, so she's into curses. She's out putting curses regularly or well i don't know I can regularly i think she's one to like she's it's not her like everyday jam but if somebody came to her and re requested a curse she i don't think she would turn them away i mean this is me completely guessing okay. because a the woman's dead b so i can't talk to her <laughs> uh b i uh did not find much in regards to her stance on curses outside of like little asides and comments made in bigger articles about other stuff. So it was kind of just tossed into the mix like, hey, and they were also mad at each other because of this. But it didn't go into any great detail. And which is a shame because that's the thing I'm most curious about because I guess I am gonna express my opinion on this now. <laughs> Because I have, I am of the mindset, if you want to learn something, you need to learn the whole thing. You can't just learn the bits and pieces. You got to learn the whole enchilada, the good yeah. and the bad. That's not to say that as you approach it, you approach the things that you want to cherry pick off of it to keep yourself interested. Just once you become educated in those things, make sure you move on to the next step. Don't just stop there. So for me, I absolutely educate myself on cursing curses well That's i'm also I, was... I also curse verbally <laughs> a lot as well like on an actual like yeah. that's why we have a you know a ratings on this podcast but i also feel like even if i don't practice it i should know about it and i should mm -hmm. educate myself on it and find out why those were curses in the first place and who put them there and what's the reasoning behind it and then from there, if I decide, you know, to go down that road, that's my choice. I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying I don't shy away. So I 100% agree with that. Because that's what I was going to say is that I, you know, like you said, if you're going to learn something, learn the whole thing. And it's also, I imagine it's easy to get into a situation where you're doing something wrong or differently and someone else sees it and you're like, why are you doing this curse? And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't know. This is just the thing I do. Yeah. And for all you know, you've been setting up curses <laughs> yeah. all along. I mean, curses are pretty distinct. You kind of, I feel like you would know. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, and especially because a lot of the stuff originated from oral traditions, right? So how are you supposed to really know? Unless, like, it's really, like, at this point, I feel like, you just try to gather as much information as you can when you first start out. You just absorb everything. Just be a sponge. Just take it all in. Take in Wiccan. Take in, uh, uh, you know, high magic. Take in chaos magic. Take it all in. Just learn about all of it. Mm. And then from there, find the thing that you're most comfortable with. And then once you're comfortable with that thing, then like, then you're now you're a sophomore or a, a, or a junior and like funnel your your focus into learning that specific thing mm 
and how that might tie into all the other shit that you learned when you were a freshman. And then from there, fine tune it as a senior, you know, like take it in steps like that and approach the education on it like that. And once you become as like, once you've got that down, if you want to jump into one of the other ponds and like become a senior at that and graduate with your mental PhD in that or whatever the fuck you're going for, do it that way. But yeah, this whole like turn a blind eye because it makes me uncomfortable shit that the entire world uses for every excuse under the sun is driving me insane and I can't get behind it. Yeah. Anyway, back on to, well, I was going to say back onto the main uh, conversation, but no, actually a side note, because now I want to talk to you a little bit about Gardenarian Wicca. And so Gardenarian Wiccan, Wicca for people that are listening to this podcast, which I don't know, you wouldn't have made it this far if you weren't. <laughs> is a term used by practitioners who can trace their practice back to Gerald Gardner, who was a British civil servant and magic practitioner who claimed to have received his teachings from the New Forest Coven, remember that name, because we'll talk about it later, which was an alleged group of witches that practiced witchcraft around the New Forest area of England in the early 20th century. However, other Wiccans and researchers who have looked into the coven have come forward stating that, in their opinions, the New Forest Coven was actually fictionalized by Gardner in order to give his new and made-up religion and beliefs that he borrowed from actually a bunch of other religions and beliefs the appearance of legitimacy via historical means. And we have seen this happen time and time again. So... Keep that in mind when you are listening not only to people who are criticizing her and what for and where they're from and why, but also vice versa in regards to her and what she decides to follow and practice and and whatnot. So just something to keep in mind. Might I also say the Gardenarian Wicca is is a deep well of what the fuck. In regards to, there are so many, like, it's one of those wiki dives where you start reading it and all of a sudden you start clicking on all the hyperlinks and it takes you on this fucking roller coaster ride of what the fuck. But also every other word in every paragraph is a hyperlink. Um, It's just, it's fascinating. Like, I, I feel like I've, I feel like I knew about it in the sense that I always kind of viewed it as like, a floofy kind of like, oh, we, uh, you know, we're like hippies that wanted to be considered Celtic. (laughs) But then once you start reading into it, it starts becoming this many layered, historical, super weird, roundabout, interesting story into witchcraft the occult, Wicca, Alistair Crowley makes an appearance. Like, it's just like, what? Like, every everything in the kitchen sink is thrown into this potential thread of Wikipedia. So if you are curious about it, and I am, after researching this, like, I am immediately going to Wiki tonight to, like, dive into the Gardenarian stuff. That feels like a, a good, um, I can't really think of an equivalent, but a nice, like, 
uh, stamp of validity is like, oh, is Alistair Crowley at some point? Oh, see, I <laughs> see, I am. Uh, there's another one I'm torn on. I part of me is like, yeah, the man did his thing, right? Can't blame. Like, you cannot deny it. He did his thing. Like we that was his, his jam name for a reason. We all know his name. He like lived. He lived it. He did it. But at the same time, like Bowser and I have talked about before, it seems like he did it only because he wanted to bang a bunch of people. (laughs) So it's like, okay, come on. Like, (laughs) like why is it always I want to either take over the world or just have like as much sex as I possibly can with as many strangers as possible? Like, just if you're going to just I don't know. I I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway. It's very interesting. I highly recommend checking it out, especially if you want to understand why Wicca kind of took off for a while. And uh, and like that whole age of Aquarius and all that jam kind of worked its way into pop culture. Um, it's, a, it's a fascinating read. And it will also then kind of like, it, it will also kind of like be the bridge to all of this other kind of occult Wiccan witchcraft stuff that was happening alongside of it at the same time. So it kind of adds context a little bit to all of these different bubbles, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just really cool. Anyway, the point of that is to remember the name New Forest Coven. So aside from the Gardenarian stuff, aside from the fact that she was into curses, didn't like doing like didn't support doing drugs didn't support necessarily getting naked for the sake of calling down the moon kind of jam uh which i also uh i'm like why like what if if, these powers can't see through your clothes like why do you have to be naked like i can feel the wind just as much through my t-shirt as i can if you know my tits are out like i don't understand why my boobs have to be out in order to do some magic the people complaining about those two things are like need to be questioned on why they're right, in there. Like, especially like, like yeah, community and, and drugs. That's especially what's... like when it's the guys that are kind of leading this thing. You know, mm. like like Gerald Gardner. Like, oh come on, come on, come on. So I don't know. I'm a little suspect. Listen, if you like to be completely freed of clothing while you are doing your work, by all means, do it. Mm-hmm. but don't require others to do that if they're uncomfortable with it because don't that be just mad. makes you yeah that doesn't make you a witch that just makes you a creeper <laughs> that just makes you creepy don't do it anyway tangents so besides all that stuff i would also be comfortable making the assumption and i have done that a lot on this podcast that many of the unkind opinions about her were also helped ab- along by her own stellar statements, uh, which were really amazing snippets of attitude that be- can be found in quotable gems such as this. It is a family failing. This is a quote, by the way. It is a family failing when she was talking about her family being a line of practice practicing naturally born witches. It has to do with glands and the nervous system. However, with her family's long history of witchcraft, Mrs. Leek once explained she was a druid, not a mere witch. Witches are the working class, she said. The druids are the priests. This was taken from a New York Times obituary article. I can understand why that might rub people the wrong way. Yeah. 
there is a lot to unpack <laughs> in that statement. A lot of ego, a lot of just uh, commentary on social stratification. Yeah. Is There's... there, that you know, I, I was going to ask at the start of this, I was like, no, that seems like too basic of a question. But now I guess this does bring up the question of whether there is that kind of hierarchy of of roles in witchcraft in real life because i like in in a video game i imagine you choose a character and you level up to become i'm, I'm sorry to go sorcerer supreme but sorcerer supreme like does yeah, that kind right. of look who you're talking exist? to i'll get it i'll understand yeah. the analogy <laughs> i i feel like saying sorcerer supreme then is i imagine every person that practices any kind of witchcraft is like uh, rolling their eyes uh, oh, I yeah. At no, Dr. Strange. I, so you're basically. Oh, I was yeah. I was actually thinking Supremes from. Um, oh my gosh, American Horror Story. Ah, uh, okay. When they were in um, the because that one becomes the Supreme. Anyway, I would say I think if you're a solo practicing witch, and all I think the default is you just try to educate yourself as best as you can right and you just try to learn as much as you can and for the mere sake that you do not want to be tied to these rules and regulations which uh most people that i think are attracted to witchcraft are attracted to it for that very reason because it's not um a regulated super strict judgmental religion or at least it's not supposed to be i've certainly seen now that tiktok has opened up in my world and i have fallen into the witch talk of it all i have definitely seen some very opinionated witches so you know listen people are people you're always going to get people that want to tell everybody else how they should be living their lives but in general i would say as a person who is attracted to that kind of religion and belief system you are attracted to it because it is not your standard rigid belief system right those are your solos and so i feel like you're gonna know when you've reached your pinnacle or maybe you never do i don't know it's just like a continuing education for people that are part of covens i would and this is again another assumption because i've never been a part of a coven but i have read up as much as i feel like i possibly can on the subject um i feel like you know like any kind of for lack of a better phrase, club or group of people where there's others in charge for sometimes the sake of educating, sometimes the sake of just trying to get the people together at the same time. It's like a DM trying to figure out how we're going to all play, you know, how we're all going to play Dungeons and Dragons tonight. Give me your schedules to, you know, something a little bit more loftier. Like I, I have the goddess chose me and now I am your high priestess. You know, I think that's where the stratification comes in. And I think probably each coven is different on how they approach that and what the requirements are. And if some people are probably more comfortable in a little bit more structured style like that than others. So yeah, I think you can kind of rank up, but mostly in those types of situations versus like solo learning. So that was a hard left into a completely random conversation that somehow involved TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but let's bring it back to her main story. Um, so 
like I said before, some people obviously might have been rubbed the wrong way by her because of her ego or her confidence or however you want to address it. Uh, she definitely had some gem of some quotes, which I could see being the reason why some people were not thrilled. Um, and then to top it all off, her life story is almost too much to be believed. Now, this is where I kind of had some a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that this is all true and not some of it is like Hollywood PR. Because mm. she was on TV. She lived in LA. She wrote a lot of books. She had a lot of things to promote. This was, you know, this, this is how it goes out here. This is the business. That's the system. That's the system. And it has been the way that it has been that way since Hollywood came to into, into existence. So, uh... So yeah, her life story is too much to be believed. In fact, her student, she had a student named Christine Jones that actually stated in one of her, uh, one of the books that she was interviewed about um, leaks in was uh, that leak would mix truth with untruths liberally, causing great harm as she went. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So, you know, take it all kind of tongue in cheek. So growing up, she learned the craft as it was passed down through her family, the aforementioned Molly Lee or Lay, as well as the possibility of being able to trace her family lineage even further back into 12th century Southern Irish territory, which there we have the Celtic justification because she felt like she was a Celtic priest. Uh, and a Russian grandmother who taught her astrology and the psychic arts, which was a very generalized term, whatever that means. I mean, there's tons of psychic things, I guess. And divination. So now we have the Slavic witchcraft angle covered as well. So she's just dabbling in a lot of stuff. She's just lots of, lots of different religions and cultures. In addition to her family's distinguished involvement within the magical arts, per her, they apparently were host to notable scholars at the time, such as H.G. Wells, Lawrence of Arabia, and Aleister Crowley. Whoa. Hardcore uh. claims. And listen, <laughs> yeah. this is, these are not claims. Okay, so also let me say this. I probably should have started with this. This came from articles talking about her. This is not necessarily stuff that I have come across her saying herself yet. So, you know, it's like a game of telephone on the internet at this point. You find these articles, they're repeating things other articles say. Some things get lost in translation. Some things were never true to begin with. Some things were kind of true, but tonally are incorrect. And so become this other kind of warped truth that isn't really what originally started. So keep all of that in mind and in check when listening to this particular podcast. Um, but, uh, but that's a lot of people to claim as being part of your kind of inner working circle. That's, oh, yeah. that's, those, those are some heavy hitters. And I just, I just, you know, I just don't know. So at 16, she married her music teacher. However, the marriage came to an abrupt end when he died two years into the marriage. And after his death, Leek returned home and lived with her grandmother for a while before. Now, this is the Russian grandmother, I'm assuming, that taught her all of these psychic arts. She lived with her grandmother for a while before being sent off again to replace a distant relative of hers as high priestess for a coven outside of uh, Nice, France. 
So wow. she just like her her Russian grandmother <laughs> sends her to be high priestess for this coven in France that some other family member is supposedly running. So just a nice middle class family as one does, you know, sending their daughter off to be high priestess at 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 a coven in France. I wish my parents had done that for me <laughs> actually. So apparently deep magical family roots. Deep, yeah, one would have thought that that would have, yeah, yes. So at some point, after I guess being high priestess for this French coven for a while, at some point she makes her way back to England and goes to live in the forest with Romany gypsies for about a year in and around the new forest area. Remember from the Gardenarian Wicca That's where he said he got his information from, eventually becoming their high priestess and part of the Nine Covens Council. Eventually. I mean, that's a whole Nine Covens Council. Like, that's what I'm saying. You got to dive into this Gardnerian Wicca thing because then it starts talking to you about that. Like, if I was to to look into all the little side roads that this article brought up for me, we would be here for a full day. (laughs) Like, it would be a full 24 hours of talking. Anyway, again, go look this up if you have the chance. It's intriguing. I have as many links as I could possibly have put up in our Facebook group uh, for the stuff that I use to research this particular podcast uh, episode. And uh, it will give you a good start and help you find these hyperlinks that should lead you down the deep, dark hole of Wiccan internet. (laughs) Anyway... So yes, she becomes this Romani gypsy, or I'm sorry, this new forest area's high priestess and then part of the Nine Covens Council. Eventually, she settles down, and I use that in air quotes very strongly. Uh, She remarries. She has two sons who also claim to have inherited their mother's abilities and opens up a variety of antique shops. However, she does not rest on her laurels because no matter what you believe or don't believe about her, one cannot deny that she was prolific. She uh, wrote a ton of books, and around the 1950s, she became the public face of witchcraft within England, often working with the BBC, who are the ones that dubbed her the most famous witch in England. Uh, She wrote a wide swath of books on a variety of esoteric subjects, many of which you can still buy today. Um, Either uh, find them in, you know, like, what are some, like, like, uh, old like old book dealers and or like newer versions that are you can get simply through Amazon. Like there's a way to find her stuff. And then working with Austrian-American author and parapsychologist Hans Holzer, who I knew from different books and his work in uh, parapsychology, obviously, but also um, hauntings and uh, uh, possessions and all this other stuff. The downside to all this fame is she obviously became a target of both good and bad. Eventually, her landlord asked her to move. She took this as, and she was also kind of, you know, over the attention. She took all of this as a sign and an opportunity to move to the United States, which is where she met Holzer uh, and worked with him for a while, both, um, I think, on a personal level and then on TV. She lived for a short while in here in L.A., where she met up with Aleister Crowley's old secretary, Dr. Israel Rigardi. So, and then those two hung out and would discuss the Golden Dawn. So that's where I also say, like, I actually believe that stuff, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's where I say, like, 
she might have just been the the person that was in the right place at the right time. Like she knew these people. She was able to make these connections. Like maybe she did really know Aleister Crowley because she obviously talked to Dr. Rigardi. Like how did she know Hans Holzer? Like the, all that stuff, like that's where it starts to get like, well, shit, maybe she did really know these people and have these ties. So I, you know, fall back on what her one student said, which was she mixed truth with untruth. You know, and so, yeah, she probably did know these people. She probably did hang out with them. I am sure she was convinced that she knew her craft. But, you know, was she the end-all, be-all authority uh, living with Romani gypsies <laughs> in the woods learning, uh, you know, witchcraft from all these different cultures to become a master at them all? I, I don't know. I don't know. Eventually, she moves to Florida. <laughs> I shouldn't Ow. have. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an odd it's an odd bookend. <laughs> it's a little funny. It's a little chuckle. I mean, at this point, you know, I don't know if Florida was considered Florida the way we consider Florida now. You know, but she moved to Florida. And she used that as part of her home base to continue promoting the craft. She continued to practice and promote the craft both within the U.S., England, and abroad to other places all the way up until 1982 when she passed away from cancer at the age of 65. And as far as I am aware, she is also survived by her two sons and grandchildren. Wow, what a life. That, uh, right? I what? Like, what? <laughs> like, I don't even know how to tackle it. Like, I want to fully support it. But I also, because that just sounds cool. Like, what a cool story. What yeah. a cool story. But then also, like, no way. No way. <laughs> but also, like, well, I don't know. Maybe. Because then she starts meeting these people again. And it's verified. Like, it comes up. So, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know. And the same thing, ugh, I'm, I'm kind of slightly obsessed. Maybe I will do him next. But the same thing with this uh, Gardenarian. Hmm offshoot he had people that came forward and vouched for him that everything that he was saying about this new forest coven and where he learned his uh practice and everything was legit multiple people i mean but it, then there's... under research it doesn't stand up so mm. but then who are the people that are researching it like how you know like it's just you can't take it all at face value either side so what does that leave you and i guess that just leaves you like with most things is you just try to learn as much as you can and then make your own assumptions and there's no like paperwork to follow like i mean i don't know i mean maybe there is i i i i feel like the only way i'm ever going to be satisfied at this point about learning about this stuff both historically and for my and on a personal level like learning the practice myself and and kind of like what's the next phase i feel like i have gone as far as i can or relatively as far as i can you can always learn more but i feel like for the big the big leaps in education i've gone as far as i can learning as much as i can on my own and i don't know i'm not saying i want to join a coven because i don't but maybe it's time to like start going to classes or mm. you know meeting other people in these fields that are obviously further along the path than I am and see what I can glean and learn from them as well. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like we've got that, 
Remember that podcast episode we did about, um, oh, why am I blanking? Uh, about the secret teaching of all ages. Oh, what was his name? Secret. The paras the parapsychology, the parapsychology college that's here in Los Feliz. He was really. He was. He was like a super sexy looking old witch. Oh, Manly P. Hall. Yes, yes. thank okay. you. I'm like he was super sexy looking. <laughs> um, yes, like maybe you know that 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 is still. I mean, it's shut for COVID, but that's still mm. in working order. You can still find their lectures online. They still their library is working. You can still go there. Like maybe it's time to like go and explore that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't or know. I feel like I've taken it as far as I can take it. There's always the things that like some people might know that they just don't share or talk about often. What do you mean? Like, like I think that's that's where I kind of thought we were going with the Sybil was like making something new. There's so many traditions that people like to do that good to keep your traditions but i think a lot of people are always scared of losing that and now i'm taking this oh, on a whole different like like how to take those traditions and modernize them is that modernize what you mean? them mix them to make something different yeah that, uh and you know maybe that's happening now yeah i mean possibly maybe it was happening then and she was making mm -hmm. like you know me being super judgy it kind of at the start like okay well now we got the celtic thing check marked we got the slavic thing check marked we have you know we have the english uh english witchcraft stuff check marked like maybe that was actually just her way of blending mm -hmm. you know or i've always had a i've always kind of had like a not a not a um I don't necessarily poo-poo it because I think it's a great starting place, but I've always been a little kind of like side-eye about Wicca in general because I'm like, oh, it kind of just borrows from a bunch of different stuff mm -hmm. and claims it as this thing. But so what? I guess that's the other attitude. So what? So it takes so it so it takes the good stuff and tosses away the pointless stuff. I, I, like I don't know. Like at what point are you? At what point do you draw the line at being a traditionalist because that is the way that you feel you're supposed to do it and therefore doing yourself a disservice because you're shutting the door on moving forward and advancing versus moving forward and advancing but not really learning the basics or the history to what it is that you're practicing. Like what, like what is the sweet kind of middle ground? What is the gray Jedi of it all? Like, how do I become the gray Jedi? That yeah. is what I need to be. That is what my purpose is. I need to be the gray Jedi. That's a better example than what I was thinking. I was thinking like MMA, like they took <laughs> all the things and just put them together. And, now... and slapped them together. And now we've got some awesome stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I, who are, I guess, who are you to, who am I to judge? But then the stuff wouldn't change unless somebody was judging something else and wanted to change it, right? You would never get any of these new things in the first place if somebody wasn't being judgy and wanted to change it to fit into what they thought was right. So every, like, yeah. And then that launches us into a whole other sidebar of like, yeah, people need to chill the fuck out. It's <laughs> just like change happens, get over it. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. And I suppose that's my first step, right? Like, that's what they say. 
admitting that you don't know anything is the first step to to I don't know I learning swear something. I just saw a quote <laughs> like this earlier today, and I can't remember it now. But yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Anyway, I give up. Basically, is what it boils down to. I'm just gonna keep on flailing in this uh, dark abyss that I've made for myself, and uh, because I'm comfortable here, <laughs> that's how we're gonna roll. Anyway, folks, Untoldians, thank you for that uh, emotional, interesting, historical, uh, pop culture commentary wild ride. I'm sorry that for all my dumb questions. A lot of dumb questions. None of questions. your questions are dumb. <laughs> none of them are dumb. No, I truly believe, I truly believe, and it always burned my ass because I felt it was a trap. I truly believe when people say no question's a dumb question. It might be funny. You're not going to get away with maybe not being funny, but no question's a dumb question. And it always used to, like, and I had teachers tell me that all the time, and then I'd ask a dumb question, and then they'd be like, Jessica. <laughs> and I'm like, see, it was a friggin trap i should have known it you elementary school teachers i just i don't like any of you um <laughs> but yes thank you for uh, none of your questions were dumb i thought they were really i actually thought they were really smart and they truly did help me keep my uh go everywhere at once mind on the same path as far as uh not only telling the story but t- uh, my hot takes on it as well um needless to say this was super fun to research Obviously, we've just scratched the surface on this whole weird, like, I don't know what the fuck, <laughs> like, what is going on in the UK? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, in Europe in general. But, um, but I am fascinated. I am going to be staying up all night tonight <laughs> on this deep, dark wiki dive, just hitting those hyperlinks. I'll let you guys know how it plays out. But... Aside from that, please let me know on our Facebook group page if you like us going back to our traditional Untold Hour Bizarre States format where we have Weird of the Week at the top and then we kind of do like a main story. Or if you liked it, how we were doing it before where it was a main story only and then we would do kind of Q&A and stuff like that over on Stereo. The reason I am bringing that up is because we have not had a ton of people on stereo. The people we do have on there are great. The stories are wonderful. I I love interacting with everybody. I still want to keep listener stories as part of the podcast in some way, shape, or form. I feel like it's important to have that interaction with everyone. Um, But I also feel like maybe some people aren't as comfortable conversing online about it, even if we don't know who you are um also i'm just gonna straight up say it our uh our um collab with stereo is over we stuck with it a while longer because we were i was having fun with it i do think it's a really wonderful tool but if it's not gonna grow i don't know if it's necessarily worth us interrupting our weekends away from our families and stuff to um kind of force it to happen so let me know. That being said, I know because that was kind of a down note. That being said, <laughs> if you guys are into it, I'm totally down to do it because it's only 30 minutes and it's not that much time. So if you're into it and you want to join us over there, I'm completely down to keep it going. So just let me know. That's because I'm basically confused and I don't know on an emotional <laughs> level which one I should choose. 
make the choice for me is essentially what I am saying here. <laughs> Let me know if you want that to happen or if you'd rather revert back to our kind of more traditional format that we'd been doing up to this point. Um, and uh, I do believe Bowser will be joining us next week. I, heads up, I'm just going to say it now. Uh, I can't give you specifics, but let's just say Jess is on the road again this month at some point for some things that she needs to do uh, contractually <laughs> and for fun. So um, so at some point, uh, Bowser might be taking over. We'll be taking, you know, it'll be sporadic again. But I feel like we've got a really cool theme going for this month. I love witchcraft. I love witches. I've always wanted to be one. I suppose you are one if you say you are one. So I guess I am one. I don't know. Some of my stuff works. Some of it doesn't. Uh, and uh, yeah. Or it uh, starts working uh, in unseen ways. Uns or, yeah, I'll take it. Bucket. I mean, that's how <laughs> it's supposed to work, right? Unseen ways. So yeah, with that, anyway, um, let us know in the comments below of whatever it is that I post as to what tr uh, what way you want to do this. And uh, we will see you guys next time. So there you go. I never know how to end these things, but uh, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you guys for joining us. I am Jessica Chobot with Aristotle Acevedo. That's the sexy way of pronouncing it. Or Acevedo, which is uh, standard. No way. It still sounds sexy, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll run with it. Um, Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Untold Hour. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of the Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to the Untold Hour pod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbanks Avenue, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.